0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another edition of the Missy AE Podcast. Tonight, we bring to you Sports Whispers Weekly, where we have a lot on the plate tonight. We got the NHL trade deadline to talk about. We got WrestleMania. They had two nights of WrestleMania last week, including, well, I started talking a little bit about WrestleMania night one during uh, last week's show. Uh, There was also night two uh, to talk about. We have uh, some... Surprising NFL and NBA retirements also to discuss. And right now what seems to be like a complete acid trip on, on uh the fight network or uh Trill, I guess they call it Triller Fight Club or something. That's already yeah. seen the likes of that's already seen the likes of Pete Davidson, Snoop Dogg and, and uh hell, Steve Urkel apparently smoking a blunt with Snoop Dogg. <laughs> I thought this was supposed to be a, a boxing fight, but apparently it's now all of a sudden turned into a smoke stash. Anyways, fun. Anyways, uh, I've got Lou on the line with me tonight. Uh, if you guys want to call in and talk Yo. some sports, you can call in at uh, 657-383-1308. We'll be live on the air for the next two hours before we go into the hour after show. Uh, a reminder for those of you who may have missed our Survivor Memories podcast this past Thursday, you can uh, listen to it now, actually, on the archives where we discussed the Survivor One World season. Uh, it is now available on the archives on blogtalkradio.com slash or on iTunes by subscribing to Missieae on iTunes. Where you'll get access to all of our previous podcasts that we've done, uh, the likes of Survivor, Big Brother, Amazing Race. Uh, we've also done a whole shitload of sports podcasts for the past however many years. I've lost track now, uh, but and you know, I figure we should uh, we should we should get started now. Uh, Lou, do yes, you, do you have any idea about this? Jake Paul Ben Askren fight that's supposed to be going on tonight. To where, yeah. Now I guess they're I guess they having the Black Keys playing now. I I, Ooh, I thought I, like that. I thought we were gonna get I thought we were gonna get straight into boxing. I, Probably you know, not. Yeah, I, I, was do. I was expecting to tune in to this uh, to this boxing fight and seeing some boxing. You know, not yeah seeing uh, a, a whole rock. entire about a, a rock concert and a whole entire skit involving Steve Urkel and uh, Snoop Dogg smoking blunt.
1: Yeah, and and I, I, know, I the like first... the Black Keys, though. I mean, you gotta, you gotta give me a little bit of that, but the other stuff I think we can do with uh, that. Makes for, that makes for a bad publicity stunt.
0: Ugh. you got break. Yeah, and not not just that, but they have they have Diplo and they have Pete Davidson doing commentary with Snoop Dogg. Oh, Live? <laughs> oh God. You know, it's it's no it's no wonder why nobody takes these celebrity fights seriously, because no. of shit like this. And that's and, exactly what it was. Shit. And you know, I I've, I've mentioned in the past that maybe perhaps the Paul brothers may have a legitimate shot at boxing careers, but Jake Paul is probably facing his toughest test tonight by taking on well, I, I think he's actually a retired uh taking on a retired MMA fighter, Ben Askren. And I know Ben technically isn't really known for his stand up. He's more known for his uh for his ground game at mixed martial arts, but I think I think uh Jake Paul is uh diving into a little bit a little bit of a uh, deeper waters here because Askren you know, he has trained to fight. He may not have necessarily trained for boxing, but he, you know, he's he has had a boxing coach for his MMA career. So if I was Jake Paul, I probably would not be taking him lightly tonight because even though he laid out uh, Nate Robinson uh, in his last fight, a two-round, or a six- Uh, two rounds into a six-round fight, which, by the way, tonight's fight is supposed to be eight rounds. Uh, You know, I I, I would not uh, count Ben Askren out, even though he is a severe underdog, apparently, in this fight. I guess kind of makes sense because uh, Jake Paul is technically the bigger, you know, in size, bigger fighter, but... I mean, it's different when, when your first two fights have been against scrubs in boxing. You know, you're facing an actual mixed martial artist now. It's it's almost like, it's almost yeah. like if Jake Paul were to have faced Conor McGregor, you know, for his in Conor McGregor's uh, first fight instead of instead of Conor facing you know Floyd Mayweather, like he did. And we yeah. saw how he did against Floyd Mayweather. You know, uh, his first professional fight against Floyd Mayweather, uh, Conor McGregor, on in a lot of people's eyes was winning that fight before he gassed out. So now we got Jake Paul uh, going against Ben Askren and Dana White. UFC president Dana White has gone on record uh, saying that he would bet a million dollars that Jake Paul loses. To Ben Askren tonight, yeah. And you know, I would kind—I would kind of agree with him. A, lo- a lot of people are probably going to be sleeping on Askren, but Askren yeah. has apparently been very pissed off with how Jake Paul has handled the build-up to to uh, this fight, and it's all—it's almost as if you know, the boxing world is basically looking down on mixed martial arts and basically saying that, you know, you're nowhere on our level, just regardless of, uh, you know, regardless of of, uh, the type of fighter you face, whether it's an an amateur boxer or a professional boxer. So what what are your thoughts, Lou? Do you think that – do you think that they should be that they should be taking Ben Askren lightly here, or do you think there's real potential that
1: uh, that Jake Paul could get upset tonight? At least in never taken opponent lightly, no matter what the record. Yeah, never opponent lightly, no matter what the record says. I think that you know if you underestimate them, they're gonna surprise you, and you're gonna be like, uh oh, we really screw this up. So uh, never take never taking opponent lightly, even if it seems like a walk in the park. Uh-uh i see happen too many times. And You know me with predictions. When I make them, they usually go the opposite direction. Anywho. <laughs> yeah. Well, you
0: know, like like I said, Askren, he's more known for his grappling. He's more known uh, for being a grappler as opposed to a striker. However, you know, that doesn't mean he hasn't knocked out people before. He has knocked out opponents before in his mixed martial arts career. You know, as a mixed martial artist, of the 19 wins that he's had, six of them have come by knockout. So, you know, it's not it's not something that should that should be taken lightly here. Uh, even though he's moving into the boxing world, uh, which I, I assume this is probably going to be his only boxing fight, because quite frankly, you know, he looked at this when it first when it first came up as a as an option. Uh, he took this fight as if it was going to be easy money, and reportedly, yeah. you know, there's a lot of money uh, going down on this fight tonight. Apparently, as far as yeah. the, as far as the payday goes, you know, it's it's ridiculous mm. the fact that uh, the fact that a fighter like Jake Paul, who is only two and zero. And you know he's facing a guy who's never even fought profe- in professional
1: boxing, and yeah, yet, but they should fight Erkel.
0: Yeah, and yet, you know now and and now we're you know seeing something like this. I mean, this, let's put it into a little perspective here. This is yeah. the same boxing card that has Frank Mir on the card tonight who is a former UFC heavyweight champion and you know has been known to knock out people. So, you know, th- this is it, 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 it's just it's just weird for me to see to see something like this because oh, usually, sure. usually when you fight someone at, a, at an amateur level you fight someone with a similar, you know, a, a similar skill set, and frankly, I'm just I'm I'm just completely, uh, completely mind fucked, if you will, that that or baffled too. That's another another, yeah. another way to put it. That Jake Paul is considered a heavy favorite just because he's had mm. two previous bouts. That one of them was one of them has been turned into an internet meme. Uh, and the other one, you know, was his first professional fight.
1: And, you know, people wonder why boxing
0: isn't taken seriously.
1: This might bring into a new law right there.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I
1: understand yeah.
0: uh, if it's, I understand if you have celebrities, you know, like Jake Paul, uh, take place in something like wrestling. Uh, like hell, his uh, his uh, his brother Logan Paul got involved yeah. at WrestleMania, where he ended up taking a stunner from uh, from Kevin Owens after being involved in the in the match between Kevin Owens and things You know. Getting celebrities to get involved in something like wrestling is one thing where they can mm-hmm. do certain spots and everything, but you know, to get into to get into a boxing ring like this it Yeah
1: it, it kind of embarrasses the sport a little bit. It puts it to shame, that's what the problem is. You know, I mean, yeah, you know, what about also uh Fox's um you know, uh gimmick they came up with uh, years ago. Uh, I for, I forgot exactly what that was. What
0: uh, Celebrity what Death Match thing was that?
1: yeah, but that's Celebrity uh, Death well, Match that's not Fox, that was, Fox. That was MTV. Yeah so um, Fox is also like a celebrity boxing thing as well. So uh that was kinda of dumb too.
0: Oh, okay. That I didn't know. I didn't know that they did a, uh, that they did a celebrity boxing thing there as well. Uh, You know, if that's, if that's the case, you know, obviously Fox has moved on from it now. You know, they haven't, uh, they, they basically decided that, you know, that they weren't really getting the uh, the ratings that was, uh, that would have come from that. So, it kind of makes sense, you know, that they would, that they would move on. Uh, But, you know, I guess it's just this whole thing where, you know, it's the Triller Fight Club, uh, as they call it, which is basically run by celebrities, quite frankly, because there's no actual, you know, boxing commentator on tonight's show. There's no actual person with, with expertise. On the uh, yeah. panel tonight, you know, hell, I would, I would even take Frank Mir, who's been in MMA, uh, who's been on MMA commentary, or yeah, or at least somebody you know who's on MMA, who, who's been on commentary for boxing or mixed martial arts to to actually comment about about tonight's fight. And, and actually, it's not just one fight. Apparently, there are multiple fights tonight. Uh, but, hell, you know we've gone through twenty one minutes already that this fight was supposed to have started, and Snoop is still talking and smoking a blunt. so yeah. I it, it, this whole thing just seems like a like a gigantic acid trip in all honesty but. Anyways, let's, let's move on from, from this. Hopefully, yeah. you know, if, if, they, if they finally do decide to air the, uh, the fight, you know, maybe we will actually start talking about it. But until then, uh, we are going to move on here. And uh, the first thing I want to bring up is we're going over to the NFL because we are going to discuss the trade deadline for uh, the NHL and uh yes. the impact that we've seen from it and there has been some impact that have come from the trade deadline so far yes uh but we do have uh a surprising retirement in the NFL with first the Patriots releasing Julian Edelman uh with a yeah. designated with a designated failed physical and It has to do with his knee. Now, originally there was a lot of outrage because of this, because it has been reported, you know, that Edelman was thinking about retirement, and obviously, you know, he was still on on a uh, sizable contract to where the Patriots would be would be due for that money. But I, I guess there must have been some sort of agreement between the two parties to where. Uh, Edelman helps them free up space because they are still on the cap. I believe for about uh, there's about two point six million dollars in dead cap that the Patriots have to eat uh, when it comes to when it comes to uh, you know releasing Edelman. But uh, Edelman, I read because of the fact that he was uh, that he was released in this capacity. He is eligible, I think, for like a $2 million uh, injury insurance or something with the from the NFL. So, technically, he is still going to get paid, even though he is heading towards retirement because of the fact that he's having to retire due to injury. But I guess the biggest surprise is the fact that he's just, he's retiring period at the uh reaching the age of thirty five uh in May and there has been a lot of talk that you know oh you once he gets released he'll he'll join Tom Brady down in Tampa eventually once once everything starts uh starts uh working working out for him and whatnot. But I have I have actually read Uh, a couple reports that have said that Julian Edelman's injury is serious enough to where he's basically going to be unable to play football. Well, he's going to be unable to play at a high level ever again. And it's to the point where it's, it's to the point where surgery will only lessen the pain. It won't solve the problem. And obviously at the age of 30, uh, he's going to be 35 by the time next season would roll around. And it kind of makes sense for him, if, if he's going to have to deal with all these injuries, it kind of makes sense for him to retire at this point in time. And, I mean, with him retiring, that pretty much closes the book. You know, on all of the big New England New England stars of the past couple of years. I mean, they do still have a couple of people from the multiple Super Bowl wins uh, of mm-hmm. the second dynasty, but yeah, this one's more significant because he was a seventh round pick back in two thousand nine. This guy was supposed to go nowhere in his career. He ends up finishing his career with 620 catches for 6,822 yards, 36 receiving touchdowns. Uh, He has a total of 2,612 return yards. Now, keep in mind, he was a returner early on in his career. And he also has a career four catch or four uh, returns for a touchdown as well. And... Actually, let me let me make sure that is up to date actually. Yeah, 36, yeah, yeah that yeah. is up to date. Uh what he's most known for was his postseason accomplishments though. Mm-hmm. He had five touchdowns in uh throughout all of his postseason career. He keep in mind two years he did not play in the postseason due to injury. Uh he he has had five touchdowns passing in his or uh, receiving in his career. Uh, in the playoffs with one rushing touchdown as well, uh, he aver- or he caught a combined one hundred and eighteen catches for one thousand four hundred and forty two yards with an average of twelve point two yards per catch in his career in the playoffs. And not only does he have three Super Bowl rings, but he was also named the Super Bowl MVP. Of Super Bowl yeah. Fifty Three. Now, Lou, what, what were your first thoughts when you heard about when you heard about this uh, about this shocking news that Julian Edelman not only was he released, but it was actually a precursor to his retirement?
1: I'm thrilled because you know I feel about the Patriots. So, no offense, of course, but you know how I feel about you know the Patriots and you know how they. Um, has had a dynasty over the last uh 300 years and whatnot. It is a little surprising though. I thought maybe he was going to go another couple of years. You know, he's what you said 35? Yeah, he'll be 35 All in right. uh, in May mm, next, next yeah, month okay. actually. that's like that's like borderline really for for like between um football, basketball and hockey. So, you know, and when you do get injured, you know, you don't heal as quick once you hit that certain age. I mean, if you were like 25, yeah, you probably would be able to play more. But you know, it, you know, but that's the way he feels about it because the health is more important uh, to an athlete. And if he took any more hits, you know, it might be even more severe. So yeah, in a exactly. sense, maybe I think it, I mean surprised, yes, but I also I also get the point of why he did it. Now the question is: This came up a, a few a few days ago is he a hall of famer because you know there are some people that say no you know that 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 was something I was about I was
0: about to uh to bring up as my next question oops uh because no it's a good thing you brought it up it's a good thing you brought it up oh. actually because uh you know I was going to bring it up as my next question and I may sound a little biased here but I honestly think he is a Hall of Famer, not because of his regular season accomplishments, because of his postseason accomplishments. Yes. And I think he will make it in specifically because of that, because he was the type of player that was always going balls to the wall every single year. He played, he played through God knows how many injuries. In his, uh, in his career, not just during the regular season, but also during the playoffs, and he, uh, what's it called, a Hall of Famer, said the exact same thing. I forget exactly uh, who who it was that was asked about it, but uh, there was a Hall of Famer who spoke up about it earlier this week and they believe that he will eventually get into the hall of fame. Mm. That obviously it won't be first ballot. It won't be first ballot I was but eventually say that.
1: he will eventually he will get into the Hall of Fame. I was gonna say do you think he'd be a first ballot Hall of Famer? I do not think so. You know despite the no. fact with the three Super Bowls and of course was the hero uh, of Super Bowl fifty one or whatever when he uh, you know helped Launched the comeback against the, uh, against the Atlanta Falcons, who just folded uh, up and died in the second half. But uh, first uh, Hall of Famer, uh, no, I think the second Hall of Famer, uh, a second ballot. So let's say, okay, we're in 2021 now. you got to wait at least five years to get in. So maybe like in 2027 or 2028, you know, I think he'll make it. And I'll be almost 60 by then. Ugh, that's disgusting. Yeah, you know, I... Because obviously, like you said, you have to wait five
0: years before you can officially get the call. Right, let me put it this way. Granted, he doesn't have any of the all-pros and he doesn't have any Pro Bowls, although I will say Edelman should have been considered for those pro, for the Pro Bowls that, uh, during the seasons that he played. Uh, yeah. Exceptional. Let me put it like this. There are many highlights that he had during the postseason. Like, for example, the catch that that surprised everybody that it was ruled a catch when a lot of people thought that he dropped it and instead he didn't. I think it was against Atlanta. Yeah. Uh that that one catch ultimately ultimately uh turned around all the momentum that Atlanta had. It it's it's these highlight real catches that he made in the in the postseason that makes me think he will ultimately get in cuz think about it you know calvin uh calvin johnson you know he retired uh this is really weird for me to compare calvin johnson to uh to julian edelman um but calvin johnson you know he had all these all pros he had, uh, he had three-time All-Pro for first team and an, uh, a second-team All-Pro. He made the Pro Bowl six times. He was a receiving yards leader twice, uh, also an NFL receptions leader and receiving touchdowns co-leader, yada, 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 you know, 80-some-odd touchdowns in the regular season. But what did he do in the postseason? Never even made it close. He, Calvin Johnson is nope. only in the postseason twice. And far in my opinion, memorable. in my opinion, I think I think uh, what should constitute a Hall of Famer is what they do in the clutch, what they do in the postseason, where everything matters. You know, because regular season you get you get so many games. Postseason, yes, you get one loss, you're done. Yeah, you know you're done for that postseason. That's why I think Edelman will eventually get in, mainly because of his postseason uh, of his postseason performances. Yes, because he was uh, when you think about it, he was Tom Brady's most dependable receiver in uh, the second dynasty. When there was somebody that Brady needed to go to To get a catch Edelman was that guy And I know people are saying Well if Edelman Is in the Hall of Fame then Gary Clark Needs to be put in the Hall of Fame Yada 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 Ultimately You know We got to keep in mind this is a complete, a completely Different era Of football And Edelman Edelman was a guy, like I said, that you would go to if you needed to get a play, a crucial play done. And for him to, for him to not to mention be a seventh round pick, seventh round pick, 232nd overall. This is a guy who originally was supposed to be maybe just a practice squad guy at best in his career. And, he ended up playing 12 seasons. Well, I shouldn't say he, he ended Well, I guess kind of, because he did play a little bit this season. He ended up playing 12 seasons with the Patriots when he shouldn't have even played one full season, according to, uh, you know, so many draft experts at the time. That's ultimate, That's ultimately why I think he will probably get in at some point. You know, it, it's probably going to be a wait because you know there are going to be other uh, there are going to be other people there uh, that are going to be more deserving uh, of a Hall of Fame spot than him. But I believe he will eventually get in. And when it comes to this, now it kind of makes sense why the Patriots didn't get rid of Nikhil Harry right now. Right. Because now they're, now they're in need, you know, they're in need of that, uh, wider, right. Of that wide receiver debt, uh, depth. Now, I mean, you say, you take a look at who they have currently, they got Kendrick, they signed Kendrick Bourne. Uh, they signed Nelson Aguilar. You know, they have, uh, they have Jacoby Myers on the uh, on the depth chart. You know they need basically all the guys that they can, uh, the the best wide receiver core that they can potentially have. And there's also the potential that maybe perhaps you know Harry can finally turn things around because it's it seemed like he was starting to get used a little bit more uh, once once Cam Newton started working with him. So, you know, who knows, maybe with uh with a potentially one hundred percent Cam Newton
2: mm-hmm.
0: uh this upcoming season, maybe perhaps we'll start to see more out of Nikhil Harry, even though he'll probably be, you know, the number four option. You know, there's still a lot of th- a lot of things to take away to take away from uh from this retirement because Let's face it, you know, Edelman's, Edelman was on his final year of his deal. Right. The Patriots are probably going to move away from him anyways at some point. So it, it just kind of sucks, I guess, the fact that he had to come out uh, of the league because of retirement, because of injury. Right. But he did say he wanted to retire a Patriot, and now he gets the chance to do so.
1: Right. Uh, I guess
0: the biggest question, Lou, apart from Hall of Famer that I want to ask is, do you think he eventually, before Brady retires, he comes out of retirement, like say maybe next year, and tries one more go at it with Brady? Or do you think because of the lingering problems that he really is done?
1: Well, with the problem lingering, yeah, I would say he is done. I get the thing that you know he might want to just try it one more time, Brady. But I think the risk is too great, so I think that he is uh, going to just say okay, uh, even though you know, he's not going to he's not going to pull out, like you know like a Gronkowski and retire and then come back. So uh, I think that I think it for his own safety, uh, no, he's going to go it quits.
0: Yeah, the big difference. That's another thing that people that people uh, talk about is well, Gronkowski did the same thing. The difference between him and Gronkowski is Gronkowski was more burnt out as opposed to uh, you know actually being injured. I mean, he did. Yeah, he did. He did uh, play one more year before having back or after having back surgery, and then he ended up retiring. But. The main difference that I got the the main feeling that I got from Gronkowski when he left at first was that he was burnt out. He was more burnt out as opposed to actually being injured and requiring surgery. With with Edelman, like I meant, like I mentioned previously, Edelman, he's just his knee is at the point where like i said, you know, surgery will only alleviate the pain. It won't get rid of the problem. So, you know, he would he's basically going to be having knee problems for the rest of his life. From what it sounds like. So, you know, he's just, he's he's not going to be in any condition to provide meaningful minutes out there on the field. So if he's not gonna be able to give it his all, why even play the sport any longer? You see what I'm saying? Kinda of makes sense now that he's retiring and you know, he could have easily retired with the Patriots and uh, you know, without being released and uh you know, they would have to they would they would have to pay him all of the money that he was owed. But he decided to give the Patriots a solid and you know, uh, give them that cap space and he'll still technically get paid through the uh injury uh through the injury insurance by the league. So, you know, he's still going to get that money regardless. Mm-hmm at the same time, you know, it'll it'll end up helping the patriots in the long run by giving them uh extra cap space basically.
1: Yes. All
0: right, uh we do have uh obviously the featured game currently uh for the NBA right now on ABC is the Boston Celtics and the Golden State Warriors. Oh, excuse me. Uh, the Golden State Warriors at the half have a six-point lead over the Boston Celtics, 66-60. to 60. Jason Tatum leading the way in the first half for the Boston Celtics, 23 points and six rebounds. Over on Golden State, as expected, Steph Curry with 22 points on three-for-seven shooting from three-point range. Uh, We also have Kent Bazemore with 14 points and Andrew Wiggins with 12 points out of that starting five. Uh, As far as Boston goes, any extras? Peyton Pritchard with eight points off the bench. Uh, We also got Jabari Parker. newly signed Jabari Parker with four points off the bench. Um, Kemba Walker with nine. Marcus Smart with seven. And... Also, no Jalen Brown tonight for the Boston Celtics, so the Celtics are a little short-handed. Uh, but the Warriors, they are also playing without Kelly Oubre as well tonight. Well, Kelly Oubre also, yeah, they are depleted, but they are still uh, they are still holding a six-point advantage at the half over the Boston Celtics. Uh, some other scores from around the NBA before we uh, dive a little bit more into the NBA. Uh, we have in uh, late in the third quarter, the Washington Wizards with a 10-point lead over the Detroit Pistons, 86-76. to 76. Uh, Late in the fourth, we have the Chicago Bulls with a narrow five-point advantage over the Cleveland Cavaliers, 82-77. to 77. And the Memphis Grizzlies with about nine and a half minutes to go in the first half with a seven-point lead over the Milwaukee Bucks. Some finals from earlier today. Well, actually, just one final, I guess, uh, from earlier today. The L.A. Lakers over the Utah Jazz, 127 to 115. And another thing, actually, uh, this is significantly good news for the Lakers is that Anthony Davis has been cleared for for full on-court activity uh, in his rehab rehab from his calf injury. So it is good news for Anthony Davis uh, that he'll be nearing his return in the near future, which is actually even better news for the Lakers because they're still out uh, without LeBron James. And looking at where they stand right now in the Western Conference, they're currently in the fifth seed. Uh, about about sinking ship themselves. Uh, they're about four games out uh, of potentially going into the play-in tournament. So you want to stay out of that play-in tournament. So a uh, yeah, a return for Anthony Davis would be. Surely welcomed by the Lakers uh, coming up
1: here. Yeah. Um, uh, Lamarcus, I got a question. Okay, just oh, about to, this. That's about I was about to bring out because I think you were about to mention Lamarcus Aldridge and his sudden his sudden retirement. Um, with him retiring, not I don't think he should have played anyway due to his condition. Um, is this going to do the Nets uh, some serious damage in the weeks ahead? I mean, you know, they've been battling back and forth, you know, between first and second all year, all season with with, uh, the Sixers. Is this going to do some damage to their uh, playoff chances now that he's gone? Uh, I wouldn't
0: say it's going to do specific damage to, to their playoff chances. I think they're definitely a playoff team regardless of whether or not they had him or not. Uh, I think what it's going to do is, is it's going to give more, the minutes that he basically was taking away from, from certain fighters, it's just going to redistribute those minutes. So I don't know if I would necessarily say that it's going to really – you know, it's gonna really take away any uh anything from from their playoff chances. Because let me take a let me take a look here real quick actually. You know, he was he was averaging thirteen and a half points per game, four and a half rebounds, uh, one point nine assists and Actually, let me let me check when did he sign with Brooklyn?
1: About a 10 days ago.
0: 10 days ago.
1: Okay, so that means there he about... probably would have
0: hang on, let me see. Okay, so they they parted ways or he parted ways with the Spurs on March 11th.
1: He signed.
0: Okay, so yeah, he he parted ways with the Spurs on the 11th, and it said his last bit of playing time that he uh, he started playing once again on March 1st. Well, I mean, on April 1st against the Hornets, and considering it's been a considerable amount of time since the deadline already. So, basically, we could say that his first game was against the uh, Hornets with the Mets. The five games that he played, he had 11 points twice. He had 12 points, he had 8 points, and he had 22 points. So, I think based on the upside, the fact that he can still score 20 points per game, maybe that might hurt the Mets in the long run, but at the same time, you know it's it, what it what it, what this basically is going to mean is that they're going to have to you know redistribute that playing time now and you know they're not going to be able to give certain guys you know the rest that they would normally have you know that would mean players like Nicholas Claxton would see more playing time Jeff Green, Blake Griffin, because I mean, let's face it—that the bigs—they were already seeing, uh, they were already getting a certain amount of uh, shared playing time as it was, with the addition of Blake Griffin. But now that they that they had added Lamarcus Aldridge, you know, that was basically going to uh, that was going to take minutes away from DeAndre Jordan. That would have taken minutes away from Nicholas Claxton, and uh, yeah, you know, let's keep in mind you still have DeAndre Jordan on that roster. Yeah, so, you know, it's I, I wouldn't say. I mean, it's it, it is definitely going to hurt the Nets, but I don't think it's going to hurt them in in a way to where you know yeah. they'll to where they'll slide to where they're in the play-in tournament or something because. In order to be in the yeah. playing tournament, you have to be below 500 at this point uh, in the Eastern Conference. And right. the Nets, you know, there's no shot in hell that the Nets are going to finish below 500 in the uh, right. in the East. So, and, you know, just just looking where they are right now, they, cur- they currently sit two and a half games ahead of the third uh, ranked Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't see... With the amount of talent on that roster, I don't see them moving from the number two spot. I think, if anything, if they move at all, it'll be up. It'll be, you know, to grab the number one seed from the uh, 76ers.
1: Yeah. Now, what about the Knicks' chances? I mean, because they're, really, they're really being a surprise team right now. They're three games above five hundred. Um, anything from, I think, uh, fourth on down is very, very tight. So, I think with – and they're – On their best winning streak in uh, seven years. So, um, you know, what do you make of uh, their chances? Knicks, I think, will, I think, will, uh, barring
0: a
2: tragic, uh,
0: yeah, barring a gigantic collapse, you know, I think that we will definitely see the Knicks in the playoffs this year. Um, I see. Assuming that Mitchell Robinson, is potentially going to come back at some point. I think he will probably provide a boost to uh to the mixed chances. Uh, Good. I don't really know if I would consider them legit contenders though.
1: No, no of course not. That's, not. that's getting carried away. But, you know, just to make the playoffs for the first time in 7 years when nobody thought they were going that they're going to do You'll put in the expression, jack shit. Uh, I think they're surprising the league. Yeah, no, I think,
0: I, I do think they're definitely going to be, uh, barring any sort of gigantic collapse, I do think they will definitely be in the playoffs, uh, especially considering they are going to get Mitchell Robinson. It sounds like they are going to get him back uh, for, uh, May uh, for May 2nd. Uh, hang on, I think, uh, uh, on, do I we think so have uh, JB joining us? J. B. Got
1: somebody.
0: Got somebody.
3: JB, is that you? JB, is that you? No, this is not JB. This is John.
0: Oh, I'm sorry, John. Uh, Uh, You have you have the same area code as one of our. You have the same area code as one of our callers. I apologize. I apologize. Uh, apologize. Oh no, that's all right.
3: Yeah, no, uh, I was calling to to uh,
1: see.
0: uh, You know, the whole thing with KD. Let, let,
3: Let me ask you this. With Katie having his Achilles heel hurting, do you think that's affecting the way his cock works?
0: Okay. Yeah, we are, uh, there sorry a about that, folks. that is, uh, actually, you know what, while I'm at it here, let me, um, there we go. That should solve that problem. Uh, Sorry about that, guys. Uh was not expecting a call like that, uh, but it happens, I guess. I've had to. Uh, anyways, you know, going back to what I was saying about the Knicks, you know, they are expected to have Mitchell Robinson back on May 2nd. So, uh, if anything, he would provide a boost, basically, to, you know, to their uh, – their output, and considering where they are right now, they are currently in the sixth spot, you know, 30 and 27. Uh, The team right below them, the Miami Heat, you know, they're about about one and a half games behind the New York Knicks. So, like I said, assuming there's some sort of collapse to where – you know, somehow the 10th place Raptors, who are sitting at 23 and 34, end up, uh, yeah. you know, if if somehow the Knicks end up falling that low to where they fall below the Raptors, yeah. barring some sort of collapse like that, I think the Knicks will probably be fine.
1: Yeah, I mean, I'm not saying, you know, they're going to be good terrors, although this season you never know what's going to happen, but... You know, I mean, that is pushing them. But you know, to see him go from, you know, where they've been the last seven years up to now, I mean, that's got to be, I think, one of the surprises in the league. Yeah, I
0: think it's definitely it's definitely one of the bigger surprises around the league. As you take I'm happy. A, you just take a look at uh, you take a look at what the Knicks have done under under uh, Coach Thibodeau this year. And considering the fact that the Knicks have just played you know, to win to win. This, well, yeah. And another, another thing too is, you know, the the defensive uh, mindset of of Coach Thibodeau has actually improved the Knicks to where you know we're seeing a lot more a lot more closer games out of the Knicks uh, organization compared to what we've seen in the past. So, you know, I. Definitely think that the the Knicks are definitely heading in the right direction, and I believe I, I said this, you know, at the uh, at the beginning when they when they hired Thibodeau. I think it was it, it 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 was the right move for them, you know. If there if there is somebody who can who can get the younger players going, it's definitely Coach Thibodeau, because we saw what he was able to do in Boston mm-hmm. as an assistant uh, with with some of the players that he that he coached as an assistant coach uh, with the Celtics so and, and also not to mention what he was able to do in Chicago when Derrick Rose was at his peak you know I, yeah. I definitely think that uh, the, the Knicks are definitely headed in the right direction and speaking of uh, speaking of the Celtics, the Celtics have started out the, the uh, second half tying up the Golden State Warriors sixty eight apiece uh, to start out the second half here. Now, you know well, from from what it, it was said about Aldridge, uh, apparently he played through an irregular heartbeat during the Mets Loss on April 10th to the Lakers, and reportedly the situation became worse afterwards. Uh, he is doing better now, though, and he said, though I'm better now, uh, what I felt with my heart that night was still one of the scariest things I have experienced. Uh, and he ended up missing time during the 2017 season due to an irregular heartbeat as well and it was an issue that he's had to navigate for much of his career uh, so you know it it probably once it once it happened this time it, he was probably looking at uh uh he was probably looking at his career and 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 saying you know it it's not really worth staying around when you know, the he's going to have these problems. So it only makes sense for him to, yes. you know, to basically uh, hang things up at this point.
1: Right. But, I mean, all uh, careers do have to come to an end, of course. Obviously. Yeah, obviously.
0: All, all careers do have to come to an end at some point. So,
1: Unless you're Tom Brady no, who I'm... wants to play till he's 120 years old. Yeah, exactly. Now,
0: taking a look at Aldridge's career, though, he spent his time throughout the different teams, the Portland Trailblazers, for the first 10 or so years of his career. Then he went to the Spurs for another six. And then he ended up, of course, uh, ending his career with the Brooklyn Mets uh, at the tail end of this season. For his career averages, he finishes his career with an average of 19.4 points per game, 8.2 rebounds, and two assists per game as well. Uh, And looking at the awards, you know, he is a – or he was an all-star from 2012 to 2019. He did miss the 2017 All-Star game, so uh, he wasn't an All-Star then. Uh, He has been named a member of the All-NBA second team two two different times, as well as the All-NBA third team three different times, uh, as well as being a a part of the All-Rookie first team back in 2007. And he also wasn't really, uh, he never uh, never won an NBA title at all during his career. So, you know, I guess maybe perhaps we should ask the same question here that we asked about Julian Edelman. Would you consider LaMarcus Aldridge to be an NBA Hall of Famer at some point?
1: Uh, that's a tough one. I think he would, but I don't know, you know, to exactly at what point. I mean, I don't think he'll be a first-off Hall of Famer. Uh, you know, like I, mean, I don't think he'll be the best. I think, you know, it's going to be done, you know, I think uh, it might take him like another uh, five years on top of that. I mean, LaMarcus was good, but he wasn't, you know, spectacular. He wasn't, you know, he was no Michael Jordan. Yeah, no, obvious. Or a Kevin, or a uh, Kevin Durant. Or you know, but it's, so it, 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 well, if
0: if you look at his numbers, if you look at his numbers though, uh, he averaged about twenty point, And let's start with the playoffs actually. Uh, throughout, uh, let's see one two three four five six seven eight nine different trips to the playoffs throughout his career. He averaged about yeah. twenty point eight points per ah. game, eight and a half rebounds per game, and one point seven assists per game throughout his career in the playoffs while shooting at a forty five point five percent clip. Now, of course in the regular season he averaged nineteen point four points per game, eight point two rebounds and two assists per game while shooting at a forty nine point one percent clip.
1: Okay. Well so, those are good those are decent numbers. They are, yeah.
0: Uh, I, I don't know if the lack of an MBA title will, uh, will hurt that him at all. That might play a factor. Yeah, I don't know if it that will play. hurt him then at again, all,
1: but uh, keep in mind, you know, but he does again, have the all-star game. Mm-hmm. But, but then again, Patrick, the you think of the basketball Fame, and he has won a title. So, you know, sure. anything, can, anything can, you know. Come with that. I mean, if you take, you know, if you take awards into
0: consideration and stuff like that, then a lot of people would believe that, you know, he has a better, he has a better chance than Julian Edelman does in the NFL of potentially being in the hall of fame. Considering the fact that he has those all NBA team awards, you know, he has uh, all those all-star game appearances you know, maybe perhaps that would do wonders for his, uh, you know, for his Hall of Fame chances. Uh, I mean, I, I guess I could kind of see him potentially being a Hall of Famer, but I, I obviously it won't be, you know, a first ballot. I think it'll be somewhere down the line uh, where he eventually makes it in. Now I don't know. Is there is there a statute of limitations? In the NBA, in regard to uh, how long... I think long, there
1: is. I think it might be similar to baseball.
0: To where it's 10 years? Yes. 10 years from when you become first eligible, so... Right. Uh, you know, I could, I, could see, I could see LaMarcus Aldridge making it just based off of his numbers alone. I mean, obviously, you know, the lack of an NBA title may uh, may play a factor in that potentially. All right, staying in the NBA, you know, as I mentioned before, James Wiseman, he suffered a torn meniscus in his right knee uh, last Saturday, and there is there was an expectation that he would miss the rest of the regular season, and obviously, of course, he is. Uh, he had suffered early, the injury early in the second quarter of last, Saturday's win against the Houston Rockets for the Golden State Warriors. Uh, It sounds like for the most part, he is done for at least the regular season. Uh, I don't think anything was said at all about playoffs, but I would assume considering it's a meniscus tear that he's probably done for the playoffs as well. Mm -hmm. And, Kind of sucks for a for a rookie to have his to have his uh, rookie season end prematurely, uh, but yeah. Taking a look, just, just taking a look here at what he was able to do this season: thirty nine games, eleven and a half points, five point eight rebounds, and he was shooting at fifty one point nine percent. Uh, rate with uh, thirty-one point six percent of three-point shots
1: going in as well. Keep in mind one thing, though. I mean, I mean, it's not just the like case with like Ben Simmons where he didn't even get a chance to play his rookie year. So you have to look at it that way too. I mean, he got injured the first. Yeah, one. of course. He got injured in practice.
0: Yeah. So there's definitely. I mean, he he definitely he get, he ended up getting the play, but. Obviously, you know, his Rookie of the Year uh, potential is out the window now with him not being able to finish the season. And that could actually play a big role in the rest of the – or Brooklyn – the rest of the Golden State Warriors' chances this season because the Warriors, they currently sit at 28 and 28. You know, uh, Wiseman Wiseman was playing a big role in – not just their big yes. game, but the fact that he was a big who could also shoot threes. Yes, you know that's going to alter that. Uh, that that's going to alter their their plans for different lineups that they would that they would potentially have him be a part of uh, when it comes to shooting. So you know that's definitely gonna have them change. That's gonna have them change uh, different different things. That's that, that uh, different lineups that they're gonna end up sending out there. And actually, that lead has now grown. Boston now up 78 to 71 with about seven minutes to go in the uh, in the third quarter here. Still plenty of time, but. Uh, We're starting to see a little bit of separation in this matchup.
1: Uh,
0: Also, some injury news. Uh, The Jazz have announced that Donovan Mitchell will be reevaluated after he suffered a significant right lower ankle sprain. And according to Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, uh, Donovan Mitchell will reportedly miss. Yeah. Yeah, Woj. Uh, it's been reported that he will reportedly miss several games. Donovan Mitchell sidelined. Uh, expect to see more out of Jordan Clarkson and Joe Ingles uh, during this during this time off. And you know, who knows with the with the Jazz currently sitting atop the Western Conference right now they may make the decision to just take it easy with Donovan Mitchell's rehab. And for all we know, maybe perhaps if this lineup uh, plays exceptionally well in his absence, you know, we could potentially see them decide to maybe sit him out a couple more games than he needs to just to ensure that he ends up coming back at, at full health. So what do you th- what do you think about th- about this uh, this the impact this injury could have, Lou? Because you have the Phoenix Suns breathing down the
2: uh, breathing no, down
0: uh, you know the, the Utah Jazz. They're only a game behind the Jazz right now. Wow. You got the L. A. Clippers also in the mix potentially. Choke, choke. You know, I know we asked this story uh, or we asked this question previously, uh, on our shows, but could we potentially or you know, can the Utah Jazz keep up this level of uh, of gameplay?
1: I believe so. The Jazz, yes, the Clippers nah, they'll choke in the second or third round. They always do. So you can you can rule them out. But the Jazz, I do see it. You know, this is the strong you know, this is the ever been. I mean, you know, it would have been nice to uh you know, see if, you know, Malone or Stockton would have done it when they were on the jazz, but you know, I think this will make up for it.
0: Yeah. Uh we do we do have uh our first fight officially done Uh, with Joe Fournier defeating uh, Raycon, he calls himself. I guess he's a reggaeton uh, performer from Columbia. Uh, Very popular, I guess, apparently around those parts. Uh, By a corner decision, uh, a corner retirement, basically. They threw in the towel after two rounds uh, with Joe Fournier. (laughs) Winning by forfeit, technically. Uh, So up next, it looks like we have Steve Cunningham against Frank Mir. Uh, That is expected to take place at any moment now. Uh, Frank Mir, a former mixed martial artist and professional wrestler who recently competed for for Bellator MMA in their heavyweight division. Steve Cunningham is a a pro boxer who held the IBF Cruiserweight title twice between 2007 and 2011. Uh, His last fight was in 2017, a loss uh, to Andrew Tabidi for the NABF Cruiserweight title back then. Now this is a, you know, this is a bit of a a drastic difference here because you're technically having a heavyweight fighter Cruiserweight here. Although obviously, you know he's, he's hmm. probably built up weight since, but
1: here's a word. You that. know, this is a.
0: I would kind of have to think that there's a drastic power difference here between uh, between Mere uh, and Cunningham. Well, that wasn't what I was thinking, but I get it. Because I mean, granted, uh, granted, Mere has never fought before. Uh, professional in boxing in his uh, career, but uh-huh. he has knocked out he has knocked out multiple people in his MMA career. So I see and, consi- and and you also have to consider the drastic weight difference too. That the lowest the lowest that Mir has fought is, actually no he's never fought at anything other than the heavyweight division. So uh-huh. We're looking at a drastic weight difference here. All right. Sticking with uh, the NBA here for for a little bit. Uh, I mentioned previously, Jabari Parker made a Celtics debut tonight. Uh, he did sign a two-year deal yesterday with the Boston Celtics. And obviously this is this is Boston's response to losing out on the buyout market for Lamarcus Aldridge and uh Andre Drummond. I guess apparently uh I guess apparently Jabari Parker was the uh only option that they felt they could do. But I think it's yeah. kind of interesting that they signed him to a two-year deal, though, because usually most of these most of these contracts that are signed are only for the rest of the regular season for the rest of the season. But with them signing Jabari Parker uh, to a longer deal, I'm kind of wondering if maybe perhaps they feel that they can get Jabari back to. Uh, the type of player that he was when he's able to stay healthy, because when he's able to stay healthy, he averages around 15 points per game. And when you think about it, it could actually be a kind of sneaky move for, the, for their bench because he would provide some you know he would pro- provide some depth for them. Off of their bench, which the the one thing that the Celtics do need is scoring off the bench. So, what yes. what are your thoughts about what are your thoughts about the Celtics uh, taking a seemingly investment in Jabari Parker? Because
1: uh, mind,
0: this is this is a this is a guy who used to be a he he, he was a former second overall pick by the Milwaukee Bucks back in 2014
1: right and, I it pretty and big he,
0: stuff. I mean, kind of yeah you know this isn't a guy who the most games that he played was in his second year where he played 76 games and since then he hasn't even reached the 60 game played mark ever since ever since right. 2016 so you know the question Amazing. there is a question of a how time. healthy he can stay Yeah, granted, it it was a long time ago. Exactly. Uh, Yeah. There is a question as. Yeah, there is a question as to uh, how healthy he can stay, and if he can stay healthy, can he still produce? Because another thing to keep in mind is he's only played in three games this year.
2: Yeah.
0: Three games for the Sacramento Kings, where he was very sparingly used about nine minutes per game before they ultimately ended up waiving him and uh, basically moving on. So, you know, there there is still some questions as to whether or not he can stay healthy. But if he can, and, and if he can get back to the type of production that he was used to providing, this could be a pretty sneaky addition by the Celtics who are in need of, of scoring off of that bench.
1: Yes, yes.
0: And actually looking right at now, him just now, he just he did just get fouled, so he is headed to the uh to the free throw line. with uh, a four point lead the Boston to Celtics. Yeah, with a four point lead for the uh for the Golden State Warriors. And what a three-pointer by Curry! You know, it doesn't matter how much Curry is guarded on a shot. It 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 really seems like he can basically nail them from anywhere. He can nail them from half court. He can nail them from yeah. uh, after being uh, after being uh, guarded for for his, for the entire possession. You know, he could have two hands in his face and probably still make the shot.
2: Lo- maybe even I don't
0: think. Well, maybe. I, I don't know if we could go that far, but maybe, perhaps. Um, yeah. You know, there's a, there's there there may be something that that a lot of people don't don't realize about about uh, the Warriors is they're actually being carried a lot by Curry with the absence yes, of yes. Uh, of Clay Thompson. Yeah. So. I mean, th- 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 th-
1: that's not the same team.
0: No, exactly. That's, that, that's not the same team at all. And, you know, as I said uh, previously when we talked about the, about the Warriors heading into the draft, if they were able to – if they drafted James Wiseman like they did and they were able to uh, keep everybody healthy – you could, be, you could be going back to looking at that scary Golden State Warriors scene like they were during their championship runs. Because you could kind of argue the one true thing that they were really missing during those championship runs where they won those titles was an impact big man. And that's somebody that James Wiseman, once, he, once he's able to develop, that is somebody that he is probably going to turn into. So, you know, it's it's definitely uh once they're able to get back to full strength, I have a feeling that we're probably going to, going to be looking at Golden State being back in the hunt on a regular basis if they if mm-hmm. if everybody can can officially stay healthy. All right, and also yeah. uh. One report has been out that the Miami Heat, they have given Victor Oladipo permission to meet with a knee and quad specialist before a timetable for his return is given. And con- considering the severity of the injury that he suffered a couple seasons ago on the same leg, which was a ruptured quad tendon, it's understandable that both he and the Heat would leave no stone, no stone unturned uh, throughout this whole thing. Uh, So as a result of this, uh, granted he did not or he did not travel with the heat for their current four game road trip. Uh, He remains without a timetable for his return. So in his absence, expect Tyler Harrow and Goran Dragic to pick up more minutes and Kendrick Nunn now may be able to rejoin the rotation as a response to, to this. Now, diving into the NHL, which obviously the biggest news of the week was the NHL trade deadline. But first, a notable note with his, uh, with his play tonight, uh, Patrick Marlowe of the San Jose Sharks has officially tied Gordie Howe's all-time games played record by playing in mm-hmm. his 1,767th career NHL game. So uh, it's, it's a notable record considering how long it's taken for somebody to even get to that height for games played. Also, the uh, NHL announced that the return to play of the Vancouver Canucks has been delayed from yesterday, as they were previously supposed to have returned to action uh, yesterday. That, of course, ended up not taking place. Uh, as they were scheduled to play against Edmonton, but that contest uh, has since been postponed. Uh, it did say that a revised schedule for teams in the Scotia North division was expected to come yesterday. I have not seen it, so I don't know if it was put out there. Uh, Lou, do you have any information on that?
1: Well, I heard they was supposed to play tomorrow, but I heard that was pushed back, too.
0: Well, I would assume it probably would just just based on just based on you know all of the uh, all of the the COVID cases that have been going around that uh, that organization,
1: you know, yeah, it, it, even top it the
0: devils now. Uh, it, it just kind of seems like it's
1: not gonna it's not gonna be a situation that's going to be resolved quickly. Yeah, I know. The thing is though, what do you do about you know, because the players are supposed to start in uh, mid-May, and the Canucks will be – they want the Canucks to play the full 56 game schedule. So, you know, what do you do?
0: Well, my understanding of it is that they would still play the full schedule. Uh, it's just right. that uh, the Canucks, you know, the, the Scotia North Division – Unless, of course, unless those games end up being inconsequential, you know. Like, mean, of no, mean like, of no merit. Yeah, like it would have no merit, you know. Like uh, there wouldn't be a difference between whether or not they make the
1: playoffs or they don't make the playoffs. Right, if they don't uh, make the playoffs, I don't think you should even bother. I mean, because that's what yeah, happened with they, the uh, if... NBA uh, last yeah. year. When they, um, yeah, because when um, their season got disrupted, they say like, okay, well, uh, we know we didn't, you know, finish, but you know what? You guys aren't going to playoffs, anywho. So like, yeah, forget you. We're just going to concentrate on the on the teams that are um, either going to make the playoffs or just on the outside looking in. If you're like uh, ten and forty five, yeah, forget it. You're not working. So they can look at it, they can look at it that way because I don't think the NHL. We we'll want to delay the season and have a uh, collision course with the Olympics in July, assuming that goes through. In other words, Steve, do we have a problem, or do we have a problem?
0: Yeah, no, we definitely uh, there. There is a problem, at least when it comes to scheduling. Because another uh-huh. thing to keep in mind too is the fact that you know maybe maybe perhaps. Uh, some of those teams that would normally have played the the Canucks during these games that have been missed, you know, maybe perhaps those teams may need those games in order to potentially either stay in the playoff hunt or make the playoffs in general.
1: Yeah. You know, there's a lot of, a lot of variables
0: that come in regards to, uh, in regards to this stuff. So, you know, it wouldn't shock me at all if maybe perhaps they just delay the Scotia North playoffs. I mean, granted, it is going to maybe add a bit of a uh, extended delay to where teams would, you know, if, if, if a team sweeps their, uh, their respective uh, division series, you know, there would be a longer wait. Another thing that I think they may potentially try to do is they maybe they might try to space out uh, the games of the first round a little bit longer. Because, you know, usually it's every other day. It's every yes. other day that, that teams play. So, like, if a team plays on a Monday, they would then play on a Wednesday after that uh, for game right. two and stuff like that. Something tells me that maybe perhaps if there is a significant delay uh, between – you know, the Scotia North Division uh finishing their season and then starting the playoffs. You know, maybe perhaps we might see something to where they may extend uh the time in between uh for the rounds of yeah. the other teams. Yeah. I mean that's it's a complicated scenario. I, I understand that. Potentially make the most sense because at the same right. time you know it would it would kind of give teams it, it would it would kind of prevent them you know from obviously if they were gonna if they were gonna finish off uh their schedule like if they were if they were gonna get if they were gonna sweep uh their respective playoff rounds you know then they would be waiting god knows how long to end up face to end up facing the winner of of the Scotia North playoffs, you know, so it would provide an even longer wait time as opposed to somebody or or as opposed to a team that would, uh, that would normally sweep uh, a regular schedule for the playoffs. If that makes any sense. Because of, because of the delay that, because of the potential delay that uh, from the Scotia North that would, uh, that would ensue. So uh, I get. I guess you know, as things as things go further, maybe perhaps we'll find out more information. Uh, but I would assume that, if anything, what would probably happen is that they would just have a uh, they would just have a delayed uh, a delayed start to the yes. Scotia North playoff, essentially.
1: Right, unless
0: like I. Like I, uh, unless, like I said, you know, those games wouldn't prove to be consequential at all. Right.
1: In other words, if they're meaningless, why bother? Exactly. Yes, that's what I thought. <laughs> all right, I I, I got to back out for a little while but because uh, I may have uh, another show to do, but if that goes wrong, I'll return, and I'll try to return within a half hour.
0: All right, Luke. Uh, I'll keep I'll keep an eye out here for you. If anything goes right, wrong, uh, I'll be right back. Okay. Well, while we are uh, while we are waiting on on uh, on Lou to see if he uh, if he ends up rejoining us, uh, let's talk a little bit about WrestleMania thirty seven. Uh, WrestleMania thirty seven in uh, apart obviously from the fact that they were uh, that they had to deal with rain. Uh, in my opinion wasn't that bad at all you know it's i've definitely seen worse wrestlemanias uh considering this was considering this was a two-night thing like last year you know i kind of felt like maybe perhaps apart from certain matches last year it sort of seemed like this year's wrestlemania was a little bit better in regards to the match quality uh obviously the first night we had bobby lashley defeating drew mcintyre with the hurt lock uh to successfully defend his WWE championship, which kind of shocked me to be perfectly honest you know because uh, I did not see him at all uh, defending his title like that. I really thought that the way they were the way they were drawing up Drew McIntyre uh, that it was gonna be basically where he would, you know, finally get his big win in front of a packed audience or an audience of some, of some kind whatsoever. Uh, So the fact that he was able, uh, the fact that they decided to keep it on Lashley kind of surprised me, Uh, especially with them breaking up the hurt business. You know, usually when Vince likes to, uh, likes to set things a certain way and certain things into motion, usually it has a big payoff to where, you know, if a, if a if a stable splits up, you know, they end up losing uh, their championships or whatever championships are held uh, by the respective members of that stable. So the fact that, you know, the Hurt Business had just split up, obviously in my mind there were two things that were going to happen. Either Lashley was going to get screwed out of the title because of the Hurt Business uh, being bitter, or the, the whole Hurt Business thing uh, being split up was all going to be a ruse, and that was going to allow Shelton Benjamin and Cedric uh, Alexander to come down and interfere on behalf of Bobby Lashley. So the fact that that didn't happen and the fact that Lashley won to begin with it just surprised me as a whole. But it was was a good matchup definitely to open up uh, the delayed start to WrestleMania 37 night one. Uh, We also had Tamina and Natalya winning the tag team turmoil match by eliminating the riot squad uh, to receive a tag team title match uh, the very next night against, Shayna Baszler, and Nia Jax. And I was happy for for the both of them. I was happy especially for Tamina because she finally gets uh, a little bit of a WrestleMania moment that she wasn't able to get previous years despite all of these years of being with the WWE because she came in around the same time as the Usos did. And having gone through all these years and you know, not really getting a WrestleMania moment, hell, she hasn't even had a... Uh, women's title run, actually, I believe, in all these years, or, or a title run of any kind. So the fact that she got at least a WrestleMania moment like this, I was kind of happy for it. For her, you know, uh, obviously, of course, they ended up losing the second night, but still, you know, the fact that you end, you can end, you can say that you end up, you ended up winning at WrestleMania. You know, that's something that. Uh, that uh, can really stick. Uh, Cesaro defeating Seth Rollins. This right here was perhaps the catapult that could see Cesaro uh, finally getting into the main event picture. Not necessarily, you know, championship picture, but at least being taken seriously as a single star. And I know fans have been clamoring for them to finally pull the trigger on, on Cesaro for years you know, he, the the biggest knock against him is the fact that he just hasn't been able to show any sort of charisma whatsoever. And the fact that, uh, you know, they're finally giving him an opportunity here with him defeating Seth Rollins, which is probably the biggest win of his career because of the fact that it's at WrestleMania and a wrestler with the star power of Rollins, you know, that's, probably the biggest win that he's had despite uh, him winning uh, previous championships in his career so far in the WWE. Uh, We also saw AJ Styles and almost defeat the new day for the raw tag team championships. And man, this size of almost good God is he gigantic especially uh, especially in the ring as well when he's actually in a match. Uh, and now AJ Styles becomes a Grand Slam champion in the WWE. Uh, I don't think anybody, uh, you know, ever thought they would see that, especially after the WWE took so long to sign him to begin with. So the fact that he is now officially, uh, you know, a Grand Slam champion is a huge accomplishment for him especially considering the fact that he's been in the WWE now for about five years after debuting in 2016, you know, we're finally, we're seeing uh, the AJ Styles that should have been with the company all these years. And they basically never signed, they they dropped the ball with him so many times on potentially signing him, allowing TNA, you know, to keep him under contract all those years. And now, you know this tag team title, uh, tag team title win just adds to his resume. Uh, Braun Strowman defeating Shane McMahon. I don't think I have seen a spot like I did in that cage match where somebody hasn't, where somebody has made direct contact from the top of the cage onto the mat below you know, without something to break their fall, like a, like a table or something. There's no, I don't think there there's ever been a spot like that uh, where they've hit nothing but the mat. And Shane, man, I mean, every time he has a WrestleMania match, you know, you, you kind of think that he's going to basically kill himself at some point with, uh, with the spots that he does. But this was, I mean this was a pretty good match as well, you know, Braun Strowman tearing through the cage with his bare hands, uh, to get Shane McMahon back in the cage and then they do that spot from off the top uh from off the top of the cage and you know, Strowman ends up picking up the win. I mean it was clear it was clearly obvious what you know, that Shane McMahon, there's no way he's gonna beat Strowman to begin with. Uh Shane was basically in there just for the spot, essentially. And you know, maybe perhaps this is a sign that maybe Braun will be more involved in the main event scene going forward, considering the fact that he was working with with uh, Vince's son. And usually, when you work with Vince's son, usually that means that Vince is high on you, uh, you know, and he feels that he's somebody that you're somebody that he can go to uh, to work a certain match that. He knows that you're dependable, basically. Uh, Bad Bunny and Damian Priest defeating The Miz and John Morrison in a tag team match. I got to say, normally when you see a celebrity, we mentioned this earlier uh, when, when we were talking about boxing. You know, normally when you see a celebrity wrestle, you know, they do one or two spots and whatnot and don't really get involved. Bad Bunny he took this shit seriously. You know, he worked throughout a large portion of the match, basically, getting his ass kicked by Miz and Morrison. Uh, He did do quite a few different spots as well where, you know, somebody could potentially, if, if, if nobody knew who Bad Bunny was as a celebrity, people could mistake him for being an actual wrestler you know he he looked like he definitely fit in uh i heard i read that he definitely earned a lot of the uh, a lot of the boys uh, respect in the locker room uh i mean it was a tremendous match for for a celebrity getting involved uh 15 minute match uh and he was in there for most of the for most of the match as opposed to his opponent damian priest so this is definitely this is definitely a uh, a tremendous match for him and you know I think that if we could get if, if there is gonna be celebrity involvement in the w w e if we could get more uh you know more celebrities like this who can who will actually take it seriously you know maybe perhaps uh it'll be more of an enjoyment as opposed to just, uh, you know, as opposed to just maybe just a throwaway match to where the celebrity does a couple of, a couple of spots and then they end up winning. Oh, looks like we have a little bit of an injury scare here. Uh, It looks like the left ankle, I think, or maybe it's the, I forget. I don't know if it's the left or right ankle. I think it might be the left the left ankle of Steph Curry uh has given him problems. He he ended up having to uh cover the ball I think for a jump ball or maybe a timeout because he is limping now. Uh looks like he tweaked his left ankle there from what it looks like here. Uh Bianca Belair defeating Sasha Banks for the SmackDown Women's Championship. I don't think I've seen more of an explosive finish. Uh, in regards to back to back to back moves, than this match with Bianca Belair finishing Sasha Banks off the way that she did, uh,
2: it
0: it was definitely a uh, a great matchup uh, between the two. You know, everybody knew that Bianca Belair was going to win anyways. You know, it it wasn't really a shock uh, to those who have been following how WWE has built her up. You know throughout this whole entire run. so it it was it was the most logical you know conclusion for her to end up uh, for her to end up defeating Sasha banks. And Kind of feel bad for Sasha. you know, this was her first long term championship run on the main roster. I mean, hell, she held the title, I believe, for about let me just let me just double check uh, the time frame here. She held the title for about 167 days, which is by far her longest championship reign that she has had on the main roster ever since moving up from NXT. So, you know, it this was this was just the time though for for Bianca Belair to be given a. Uh, to be given her championship uh, opportunity here and it was a good way to close out uh, night one for Wrestlemania Uh, night two started off with Randy Orton surprisingly defeating The Fiend in a little under six minutes uh, with basically Alexa Bliss showing up covered in some sort of black substance I want to say it was it was black blood that they uh, that they intended it to be i guess i don't know but uh the the gist that i got from this match was with the fiend basically restoring himself back to uh you know back to full health being you know the regular fiend i mean i'm told Oh, we got a serious problem here with Golden State. Anderson went crashing over the scorer's table uh, in in Boston here, and he has not gotten up. Uh, he he knocked down several monitors, and he is in pain—tremendous pain after saving a uh, after saving a ball. Uh, from going out of bounds here, and he took quite the hit, quite the hit uh, over the announce table here, and he still, it looks like he still isn't, yeah, Toscano Anderson went flying over the scorer's table, a ton of concern right now uh, on the Warriors sideline, and he is still down that does not look good at all. And it looks like they're calling uh they're calling over for uh for medical attention here. Uh they're showing a the replay, so yeah, he's still down. I Meanwhile Steph Curry uh continues to work out his ankle here, but that is a nasty, nasty fall. Hopefully we can get an update here, uh once this is uh once this is all settled out but the Golden State Warriors they do have a slim two point advantage 103 to 101 over the Boston Celtics with about five and a half minutes left to go in the uh, in the game here but looks like Anderson is up he he is covered though with uh cow, so maybe perhaps his head might be bleeding I don't know I don't know what's going on here. Um, but he is, uh, walking off with a, uh, with help from, uh, members of, from a member of the Golden State Warriors, uh, of the Golden, the Golden State Warriors, uh, medical staff. So hopefully everything checks out for him and he ends up, uh, and he ends up not having to miss any time here, but that was a tremendous save that he made on the uh on the baseline there but back to uh randy orton and the fiend it kind of makes me think that with the fiend being resurrected makes me think that alexa bliss may have been resurrected as well or reincarnated i should say as sister abigail because sister abigail uh for those who for WWE fans who may not remember, Sister Abigail uh seemingly disappeared when Randy Orton essentially set uh, you know, Bray Wyatt's house on fire with the with with one of the previous feuds that they've had in the past. And, you know, Sister Abigail was never really mentioned after that. So A lot of people thought that maybe perhaps, you know, Sister Abigail is now officially back, uh, reincarnated in Alexa Bliss with The Fiend essentially being resurrected at WrestleMania uh, with his regular attire. But it just seemed kind of odd now that Randy Orton seems to be done with The Fiend uh, and now the Fiend is going into some sort of program with Alexa Bliss. I, I really don't know what to make of it. But, uh, yeah, that was, it was a, an incredibly short match to kick off uh, night two and kind of pissed off some fans, actually, because, you know, a lot of people were expecting a full-fledged match. And while we did get some sort of. Uh, we did get some sort of action in this match. It wasn't really what a lot of people were expecting. Uh, Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler defeating Natalia and Tamina by uh, technical submission, with uh, Shayna Baszler winning by the uh, Terufuda Clutch, I think is what they call it, uh, submission that basically it, it's. It's kind of odd, you know, how they book Nia Jackson, Shayna Baszler, to where they book them to lose on Raw and SmackDown, yet somehow win and retain their titles on the pay-per-view. But I guess it's what it's it's how they look at Vince's philosophy is that it doesn't matter what you do on the nightly or on the weekly shows on Raw and SmackDown. What the only thing that matters is what you do at the pay-per-view, and the fact that, you know, they put on some of their best stuff during the pay-per-views. I guess that's the reasoning to keep the, t- to keep the championships on them. So honestly, I don't even know if there is any team that could, that could really uh, realistically uh, take the titles off of Nia Jackson, and Shayna Baszler without Jackson Baszler imploding on each other, base pretty much. Uh, Kevin Owens defeated Sami Zayn with Logan Paul in Sami Zayn's corner. Logan Paul then received the stunner uh, after the match. Kind of, a, kind of, uh, this match kind of went as expected. You know, very, uh, very fast paced. It was finished in less than ten minutes. No, not really much of a surprise here. Everybody figured that Kevin Owens was probably gonna beat Sami Zayn. Uh, like what has happened in each of their previous encounters. Uh and I was kinda of bummed though, you know, that we didn't get a big spot out of Kevin Owens, uh, compared to what we're used to seeing out of him at WrestleMania. So I know he definitely wanted to jump off of the pirate ship, but because uh, they did have a pirate ship set up for the for the stage as uh, as opposed to uh, the uh, the pirate ship that's already there to begin with, they had an extra one uh, set up specifically for the stage and I, I know i de- I definitely figured and I believe a lot of people probably figured that they were going to do something with that, which I guess apparently it was just used uh for some of the pyro or something like that but uh yeah you know this match went as expected although i i guess some people may have expected logan paul to eventually turn on Sami zane that of course ended up not happening so yeah you know not really much of a surprise here uh sheamus defeating riddle for the united states championship was a bit of a was a bit of a shocker because a lot of people expected riddle to have a longer championship run, but I think what probably happened here is the fact that Matt riddle at a, at a recent episode of raw ended up forgetting his lines. And I think that this may have been punishment for doing that in Vince's eyes. And basically the punishment, you end up losing your championship at the biggest stage of them all. And, uh, i i I, def- I just i definitely didn't see sheamus uh getting a United States championship run so uh this game is a big surprise for me in this matchup uh Apollo Cruz defeating biggie in a Nigerian drum fight for the intercontinental title not really shocked uh i do I do like though that they brought back dabakato as it seemed like you know he was originally introduced for being to be on the Raw brand as part of Raw Underground and of course that ended up going nowhere with the hurt business essentially you know putting Raw Underground to rest and that left avocado uh, with basically nothing to do they ultimately ended up uh bringing him back as I guess Apollo Cruz's general general Aziz, I think he's called or something. I don't know. Uh, but basically, the Nigerian drum fight had a whole bunch of drums with kendo sticks and stuff like that at ringside, and yeah, there was a lot of a lot of usage of the kendo stick uh, in this matchup, and relatively short, less than seven minutes. Apollo Crews ends up winning with the help of General Aziz or as raw underground fans may know him as Dava Cato. So, I mean, it's the only thing that really made sense to to give the title to Apollo Crews so that they could continue their program uh, between him and Big E. Because otherwise, uh, him losing uh, with Apollo Cruz losing to Big E again, it wouldn't make sense to continue the feud after that. Uh, Rhea Ripley defeated Asuka for the Raw Women's Championship in about a 13 and a half minute match. A lot of people expected uh, Ripley to probably win this because not a lot of people expected Asuka to have as long of a title reign as she ended up having to begin with. So you know, the fact that Rhea Ripley was able to take the championship off of her. You know it made sense, it made sense to a lot of people. So now Rhea Ripley uh, with the Raw Women's Championship, it looks like she's probably going to take on uh, she's going to take on first Asuka in a rematch, and then I assume Charlotte Flair is going to get involved. As Charlotte ended up returning this past week on Raw with some sort of uh, some sort of bitching and whining uh, promo or something like that. I I don't know what they're doing with with Charlotte. You know, she may, maybe maybe it has something to do with the fact that her boyfriend Andrade ended up uh, request his release and ended up getting granted his release from the company. I don't know. I don't know what the hell they're doing with her, but, uh, you know, it, it it did feel odd that Charlotte ended up missing this year's WrestleMania because she is by far, you know, probably the best women's competitor on the roster. So it just, it, the women's division kind of felt a little empty uh, not having Asuka In the or uh, Oscar not having Charlotte in the uh, you know in uh, WrestleMania this year, Roman Reigns defeating Edge and Daniel Bryan uh, by pinning both of them at the same time. Not gonna lie, did not see this coming whatsoever. Especially considering the fact that they added Daniel Bryan into the mix. And if they if the, the big question that I have here is what was the point of even adding Daniel Bryan into the picture? A lot of people thought that, okay, the WWE, they want to keep Roman Reigns looking strong. So the way to do that would be for him to lose his championship. Uh, if he was not going to win, the way to do that would be for him to lose his championship without getting pinned. And obviously that would be, that would be giving Edge the championship uh, by having him pin Daniel Bryan, you know, without having Roman Reigns getting uh, having to get pinned. So that kind of that kind of shocked people. Uh, it Shocked me as well, uh, and it kind of pissed off our producer Jim actually, because uh, Jim and I were commenting on. On the night, uh, the the two nights actually, throughout this whole thing, and the biggest thing that he mentioned was the fact that Roman Reigns is being is is supposed to be being booked as a strong heel, but yet he cannot win a match without having his uh, his cousin Jay Jay Uso having to get involved and basically winning the match for him, which it is a legitimate gripe, you know. if if you want to have if you want to book uh roman reigns as strong as they are you know i kind of get the point that oh heels you know they don't always have to win the match clean you know something something ends up having to happen but if you want to book reigns as this this strong dominant competitor you know you have him do it by himself don't have don't have him have to rely on on somebody else to win a match when he would be able to do it himself. so you know it kind of takes away from his win, even though they said it was a dominant win you know to have him pin edge and Daniel Bryan at the same time, yeah, but he also received help from his cousin so it takes away from it. Uh, Although they did, I did like that they, uh, that they brought in the concerto. Uh, They had Edge give a concerto to Daniel Bryan. And they also had uh, Roman Reigns do a concerto to Edge as well to end the match, essentially. And, I just love it. Every single time Edge has introduced a concerto during his, uh, during his, his partnership with Randy Orton all the way back then, you know, it really, it really added a little, a little bit of extra uh, stuff that, you know, they were, that, that, that they were missing basically. So, it added, it added a, little, a little, a little bit of extra to to Edge's character, I should say. I should put it that way. Um, but I mean, the match was good. The only gripe about it is the fact that you know, okay, if you're gonna have apart apart from Jey Uso having to consistently interfere uh, like this, if you're gonna why why put Daniel Bryan into the match if you're just gonna have Roman Reigns win any anyways you know it just doesn't make sense whatsoever unless it was just to show that it, unless it was just to give Daniel Bryan one last Wrestlemania main event considering that he does not uh, from all in, from all reports he does not have that much longer left on his uh, you know when it comes to uh his wrestling career um JB I believe are you uh are you joining us Yeah All right I'm sorry I'm sorry because we had a uh, we had a troll call in earlier tonight uh with the same the same uh area code and it seemed like it was the same number as you uh the like the Whoa. same rest of What's your number mean? So I originally nope. thought it was you and then, you know, it was basically some troll who uh, we were talking about basketball at the time, and then they and then they end up mentioning a certain private part of a certain player, and that's when we ended up uh, getting rid of them. But uh, glad to have you on the show uh, for the final hour here. Uh, I, under- I understand you and Jim. You know, uh, you guys were uh, you guys were talking for quite a bit after uh, after the uh, One wolves podcast.
3: To about uh what was it two thirty something like that jeez yeah i
0: was i was uh I was <laughs> passed out at that point um, you know from from uh the fact that obviously I have to get up early to begin with wow what a shot by curry uh you know i had to uh i had to get up early to begin with. And you know, <laughs> obviously, you know, this week, considering I'm on vacation for, for this whole week, you know, I probably I'll probably be able to to stay on for the long haul this week, but uh yeah, it was uh it was one hell of a show though. You know, um oh, basically yeah. went We basically went from talking about, uh, one world to talking about a whole bunch of different reality shows, even bringing up politics at one point as well. Um,
3: and talking about COVID
0: too. (laughs) Yeah. And talking about COVID exactly. Uh, so yeah, it was, you know, it was a pretty, it was a pretty good show. Um, let me look here uh Lou it looks like Lou did not get back on here, so it I think he pro- well wait let me yeah no he didn't he didn't uh end up getting back on so uh I guess he had his other show that he had to uh that he had to go to tonight uh but it's good it's good to have you on here j b um i guess you you've probably heard about the uh the Logan Paul fight that's supposed to, or not Logan, the Jake Paul fight that's supposed to take uh, take place tonight. Uh, Jake Paul against Ben Askren, um, former UFC uh, contender. Jake uh, or Ben Askren, might I add? Uh, it seems
3: it seems like this is going to be a, a fight where uh, I don't know how to put it um where Ben Askren will actually uh I think uh you know put this guy away.
0: You know, I sort of said I sort of said the same thing earlier that uh you know Paul he's fought two scrubs to begin with to begin his boxing career and Ooh, actually, first off, we have Steve Cunningham against uh, former UFC heavyweight champion Frank Mir uh, for this uh, for this fight card here. So, uh, Frank Mir, you know, I'm I'm sort of going back here with Frank Mir that, you know, granted it's it's going to be a sort of boxer against a MMA star. You know, a lot of people think that just because. You know, it's boxing that they are you know because they're uh, they're an MMA fighter that because they're not consistently boxing like uh, like professional boxers do that you know they don't nearly have enough power or nearly enough stamina to compete with uh, with professional boxers. And while that may be true, you also gotta remember that. It's not like these guys can't knock out somebody either. Oh, they have uh, the ben ability
3: Askin. to put somebody away.
0: Yeah, because you have Ben Askren, who, uh, who is actually, believe it or not, he's knocked out more fighters in his career than Frank Mir did. Mir only had five knockout wins in his entire career. And most of them came after, uh, you know, during during the Lesnar years. Right. So, the fact that you know he's now, or and the, the, this is sort of playing into the whole thing with uh, with with both him and Ben Askren fighting uh, in boxing tonight. You know, just because you're fighting uh, a pro boxer, or and I say pro very lightly with uh, Jake Paul, because you're fighting a pro boxer, you know that doesn't mean that the MMA fighter isn't going to be able to put him away. And by the way, this has gone final now. What we were talking about uh, previously before you joined, uh, the Boston Celtics with a 119 to 114 victory over the Golden State Warriors. The Celtics improved to 31 and 26, with Golden State falling to 28 and 29. So the. Uh, the surge by the late game surge by Golden State not enough to topple the Boston Celtics tonight. Uh, with Boston moving up to the fourth seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, but yeah, you know what I was what I was gonna what I was uh, mentioning when it comes to boxing. You know, just because. You're, an, you're facing just because you're an MMA fighter going into boxing doesn't mean that the MMA fighter isn't going to be able to knock out the box the boxer. Because keep in mind, MMA fighters they have boxing coaches as well. Oh yeah. Now Frank Mir on the other hand he's standing at a gigantic 276 pounds tonight, severely overweight compared to what we're used to seeing him at. So. You know, maybe perhaps we're not going to see a knockout out of Frank Mir tonight, but uh, especially with MMA fighters, you can't take them lightly, basically. Because if we've learned anything from MMA, if we've learned anything from MMA, all it takes is one one strike to land uh, at a certain spot.
3: And I think one of your best uh, boxers would have been uh, heavyweight uh, Junior Dos Santos.
0: Probably, yeah. Uh, although it's, it's unfortunate, you know, that Junior Dos Santos is no longer in the UFC. But, you know, if he went into boxing, probably has that, that sort of angle on his punch, where he could do legitimate damage to a uh to a pro boxer if he wanted to,
3: yeah he's one of the few that could uh actually go from m m a to uh boxing, whereas there's not really too many boxers that could go from even though there there are Uh, They're not too many boxers that could go from uh, boxing to MMA. I think there's more MMA fighters that could go to boxing.
0: Yeah, especially considering that, you know, if you're – If you're a boxer, you know, you're usually only fighting on the feet. You're not used to fighting on the ground and whatnot. So that would, of course, be, you know, a much different conversation as opposed to, as opposed to, you know, uh, an MMA fighter heading into the world of boxing. Because if it's an MMA fighter heading into the world of boxing, yeah, all they need to do is just, is just stay standing, basically. I mean granted, obviously of course, you know, maybe perhaps they're not taking more shots in MMA as opposed to what they would in boxing, but you know, it's still a combat sport. So they're still you know, they're still taking that punishment that they that they would in boxing. I gotta say, good God, does Mir have a gut on him? Ever since he ever since he left the uh, the world of MMA, either that or maybe it's just maybe it's just the camera making his body look bigger. But he looks gigantic right now compared to uh, how he to, compared to the the shape that he usually fights in. Uh, the one thing I am noticing about this fight, J.B., is that uh, Mir definitely, clearly does not have the uh, the speed advantage here. And I think that is one thing that, especially considering, believe it or not, he's actually fighting a cruiserweight tonight who's fighting at, uh, at heavyweight. And this cruiserweight boxer is, is uh right now putting mirror to work to severe work in this matchup
3: where are you watching this fight at
0: uh on I'm, I'm watching it on uh on uh what's it called triller i guess it's called but it's also on it's on wmr um and it's on uh, – I don't know if you still have the sports access info I gave you, but it's on sports access also. That one on, with the, the uh, UFC? Uh, I can give you the uh, the, in- give you the, uh, the info if you need it. Um, hang on one sec. Let me find – uh and by the way ignore the uh password um the vulgarity of the password i should say it's not my uh my account um so let me let me bring that up to you uh All right, I sent it to you. And um, go to when you when you uh, access it, go to channel seventy one, and it should be on there. Whoops! Mir- I clicked
3: the wrong the wrong. Mir-
0: gas right now. Tab. He he is uh he's uh, oh what a what a flush uh, flush right by Cunningham here. Uh he is definitely getting a uh taking a lot of deep breaths right now. We're about two two rounds into a six round fight right now. Um, let's see While we're waiting for you to get that, uh, that set up, J.B., uh, a little bit of, uh, of baseball news. Uh, the Twins and Angels games have been postponed this weekend due to COVID-19 issues. Uh, it was reported that Kyle Garlick ended up testing positive from the Twins for COVID-19. Uh, at least one other player also tested positive uh, for the virus. So today's scheduled game was postponed as well as tomorrow's scheduled game being postponed between the two clubs as well. Uh, Nationals left-hander Luis Avalon suffered a tear in his left UCL, uh, and the veteran reliever is now going to weigh his options in deciding how to address the injury, according to uh, manager Davey Martinez. He's got options, apparently, whether to sit out and see if it heals or uh, potentially having to undergo Tommy John surgery. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, the Milwaukee Brewers, they have placed Christian Yellick on the injured list uh, due to an ailing back. Uh, Eric Yardley has now been recalled from AAA to, re- or to take Yellick's spot on the roster. Uh, Yellick's placement on the injured list is retroactive to a couple of days ago on April 14th, so it should make him available to return for the Brewers next weekend. So basically this is just to give him a little more time to heal up his injured back from all indications here. Uh, Cody Bellinger of the uh, L.A. Dodgers reportedly has a hairline fracture in his left leg. He, of course, has not played since April 5th, and it doesn't appear that a return is imminent. Uh, a recent test that was done on his leg uh, revealed a hairline fracture, according to uh, manager Dave Roberts, and it is, uh, he added that it is not a day-to-day thing. Uh, he has been on the 10-day injured list since April 9th, which was retroactive to April 6th, which at that point, it was believed that he only had a left calf contusion. So uh, it, is uns- it is unclear as to how much more time he may miss, but uh, I guess maybe there's the potential that uh, he could be out for prob- for possibly the next month, depending on... Uh, apparently it says normally it takes six to eight weeks to completely heal uh, a hairline fracture. So probably won't be see him, seeing him till the middle of May and maybe perhaps June for the Dodgers.
3: Now on this sports access, it's wanting me to launch the web player or launching the you can do classic? Web, you can do web weird.
0: or classic. Yeah, you can do web or classic. I uh, I – I would do web because then you can search for uh you can go to the little um the little magnifying glass on the site search uh click that and then you can type in like boxing and it'll give you a list of the whole of all of the uh channels that are gonna be okay the... and click on one of them.
3: okay it's got the uh... Yeah, it's got the fight on there right now. I'm trying not um, look, to have the sound too loud.
0: Look at well, I I can't really hear it right now uh, on your end. So um, look at how huge Frank Mir is. Oh, I know I it. Mean, <laughs> I mean, I don't think we've really ever seen him that big. Outside of the outside of the UFC, and Chuck Liddell is actually uh, actually there at ringside right now. Um, you know, I don't think we've ever seen uh, him being that out of shape.
2: Yeah,
0: they said he's fighting at like two seventy six or something tonight. I think it was.
3: They, I read uh, someplace where. He actually is like uh, seventy pounds heavier than this uh, other guy.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, Steve Cunningham is weighed at weighed in tonight at two oh six. So Mir is around seventy pounds heavier. In 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 MMA, Mir would be fighting in the super heavyweight division right now at this weight.
3: He wouldn't even be allowed to fight in uh, UFC.
0: But it, it seems very clear right now that Cunningham definitely has the speed advantage. Uh I mean you could see just from watching that Mir's taking these deep breaths. You know, obviously MMA fighters, you know, they're not used to fighting three round uh three round spurts, uh, like we're seeing here tonight in boxing. And I mean you you kind of have to think that Ben Askren will be in a much better situation considering uh the shape that he keeps himself in and to me this just kind of screams that Frank Mir needed a payday and you know, he yeah, was willing exactly. to, was willing to basically box in order for this uh in order for him to get this payday
3: If this I mean, if this guy's okay. was... If this guy's a boxer, he should be able to put Mirror away. But then again, with Mir's weight...
0: They say the bigger they are, the harder they fall.
3: Oh, yeah. Yeah, this and guy can just... Uh, yeah. Go
0: ahead. Steve, you know Steve Cunningham. He is actually a former title holder in boxing. He held the IBF oh, he? cruiserweight title. Yeah, he held the IBF cruiserweight title twice between 2007 and 2011, and he has also fought in the heavyweight division. His most recent loss, uh, actually in the cruiserweight division, uh, his most recent loss was to Andrew Tabiti uh, four years ago. This is a guy fighting his first fight in four years, and so far, it's looked like he's he's outstruck, at least from my eyes, from what I've been watching, uh, he's outstruck Mir in, in these four rounds so far. And for the most part, Mir has basically been trying to, uh, you know, trying to get a hold of him and, and basically hug him like some boxes do, you know, to try and tire him out, I guess.
3: Huh. My brother was texting me that the uh, Jeremy Stevens isn't fighting.
0: Yeah, Jeremy. It, it, this is odd. Uh, I was gonna. I was gonna bring this up next, actually. Uh, this is really odd. Jeremy Stevens. Uh, he ended up. He was supposed to fight Dracar close, and uh, they ended up having some sort of shove at the weigh-ins where Stevens, I guess, shoved close, and he ended up suffering a cervical sprain as well as a concussion as a result of that shove, which I didn't see the – I mean, I saw the shove, but it didn't look like it was really, you know, it didn't – I mean, if anything, he was hobbling a little bit. It didn't look like there was really much of, you know – Anything that would prevent the fight from taking place, right? You know, but and again, uh, dumb, and dumb,
3: dummy me, I haven't been watching the oh, weigh-ins yeah. for UFC
0: in a while. No, I haven't. I haven't either. Honestly, not not since they uh, they started doing them early in the day as opposed to uh they used to do them uh I believe they used to do them uh the Friday before at at like 5 or 6 in the uh in the evening.
3: Yeah, they used to have a big thing uh especially when they had the uh the, uh, the numbered fights, uh Joe Rogan would actually uh, you know, be there.
0: Yeah. Oh, now Mir is resorting to haymakers. I you saw those two missed haymakers. It, it, that seems like what he's resorting to right now with these uh, attempted power punches. Uh, but it said, according to Close, he felt his hand – this is where it gets weird. It says he felt his hand go numb and his neck tightened up following the shove. After spending the rest of the day eating and rehydrating – Close says he woke up with a migraine and then UFC officials pulled him after he vomited. Hmm. All from a shove. I mean, to me, it just doesn't seem... It just doesn't seem right, you know?
3: Well... You know, me, I've never been put in that uh, situation, so I really can't say, you know, that. Well, I, uh,
0: I, I, should, I should say, uh, you know, uh, I'm not saying it's not right, you know, that they take the fight off. I mean, obviously it makes sense, you know. You don't want a fighter right. uh, in that condition to have to fight that night. Uh, but it just seems kind of odd that just a shove, would do that
3: And it must have been And it must have been uh, You know Some kind of shove too Not your ordinary little Shove I don't know why they put the word Shove in there Maybe it was you know Worse well, than a shove. a shove
0: It was a shove technically
3: Yeah I'd like to see Cunningham just all of a sudden, boom, and watch uh, Frank Neer just fall to the ground. (laughs) That would be funny.
0: So to add on to this whole acid trip of a boxing event, I don't know if you can hear him at all, but Oscar De La Hoya is completely shit-faced right now. (laughs) Like legit drunk. On the uh, on commentary,
3: he probably is.
0: Either that, or he snorted a whole bunch of cocaine in between fights. I don't know, but it. I mean, just like I said, this this has been this whole entire event has been an acid trip. You should see. You should have seen how it opened up. uh, JB, they had Snoop Dogg uh, talking with I think Justin Bieber. Then they had uh a three man commentary team of him Diplo and uh Pete Davidson from Saturday Night Live uh they opened up the show with uh Snoop Dogg smoking a blunt with Steve Urkel and I shit you not uh Jaleel White was dressed like Steve Urkel with the glasses and everything I mean it, it was I'm
3: surprised he didn't I'm surprised uh, Snoop Dogg didn't come out with his uh, corona.
0: (laughs) I mean, this is just the the weirdest shit I have seen (laughs) for for a boxing event. I mean, I kind of understand maybe perhaps this is, uh, you know, this is supposed to be for celebrities. So they have to add some sort of, uh, I mean, hell, a lot of the stuff tonight was, it, believe it or not, this is like the third or fourth fight I think tonight ever since the show started and uh actually this is the second fight since they even went live on on pay per view like they had a they had a free uh portion of it that went uh that had like two fights on it the undercard or not the undercard the uh the pre show if you will the pre event and then, ever since this started at nine o'clock uh, for the main, uh, the main fights, they've only had two fights, and and they've had like maybe four four musical performances. I mean, this, this I feel like I'm on an acid trip right now with everything. I, either that, or I'm extremely drunk, about as drunk as De La Hoya uh with what i'm with what i'm viewing
3: yeah i seen uh seem- cunningham i seen cunningham getting beer up against the ropes and you see beers just kind of puffing and puffing away
0: <laughs> just laying on him yeah i uh, first off, I'll just say this right now. I believe Steve Cunningham has the win. I I'd be shocked if it's given to Mir, considering uh, the amount of laying that Mir has uh, has done on him. I mean, Mir got got hit with a whole bunch of flush shots uh, on this in this fight. By the way, an update on Juan Toscano Anderson from the uh, from the Celtics game. It turns out he did receive some sort of a cut from making that miracle save of the ball from preventing it from going out of bounds, and he ended up uh, going. Uh, he he ended up basically crashing over the uh, media table that they have at at. Uh, you know, at at basketball games, and of course he ended up uh, he ended up taking uh, being taken out of the rest of the game, uh, which of course the the Warriors they ended up losing. Uh, but he ended up getting up and having to having to be escorted off of the court with a uh with a whole bunch of towels on his head and it turns out apparently he did suffer some sort of a cut uh on the head in during the uh during that whole entire process so uh I don't know of any you know I don't I don't know of any uh of any other any other reports but it was, it was a very, it was a, it was a, a pretty scary situation, JB. That's all I'll put it, because he was on the ground for quite a bit of time. Yeah, you know, even looking at the, they just showed uh, the the scorecard. I'm I'm even shocked that Mir even won one round in this fight. <laughs> I'm serious because it just looked, it it just looked like Mir got severely punished in the body and, you know, Cunningham was just all over him for the most part with Mir fighting like a drunk for the most, uh, for the most part here. So I don't know. Um, how many more fights are there, actually, on this card? Uh, let's see. We still got we got Regis Rice against Ivan Redtouch, and then we have Jake Paul versus Ben Askren as the main event. Uh, Jake Paul, obviously, coming off of a knockout that produced many Internet memes uh, of Nate Robinson, which I actually still have those on my uh I still have those on my phone. I may post them again uh later on tonight. Uh, of 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 Nate Robinson basically uh knocked out right on the uh right on the mat. But I think Paul is going to have a much different time against uh a much harder time against Ben Askren tonight considering Askren is actually a professional fighter. I actually turned off the uh
3: uh uh boxing thing, oh didn't it you? was accidental, it was accidental, and I don't wanna put it back in.
0: <laughs> I don't blame you honestly, I really don't blame you with all the uh with all the all the shit that uh that they're showing here a whole bunch of filler for the most part
3: so one wow. uh one thing that I was going to uh bring up last week and that is uh well I was going to bring up the Cincinnati Reds last week because I saw I saw a couple sites that had them rated like about I don't know about uh twenty five and this was at a time where the Reds lost their first game but then yeah. they won they won their other six games. They were I think they had an average uh of like about uh eleven or twelve uh eleven or twelve runs per game.
0: Yeah, they're actually one of the uh, they're actually one of the league leaders in uh, runs scored so far, and they are they're currently sitting at nine and five in the uh, leading the NL Central, and they did beat uh, uh, Cleveland earlier today in extra innings. So uh, the Reds right. they're they're definitely on fire right now, which is actually yeah, was a watching. little bit of a shocker.
3: I was wa- I was watching that game up until about oh, about the eighth inning and I think it was two to one then. And I think I got a thing on my uh telephone about I guess this was about maybe an hour later, it said final uh Reds Reds three uh Indians two and I thought, Whoa, they actually pulled it out.
0: Yeah, in ten innings. You know, JB. You know what's probably even more surprising? You know, not just the Reds start to the uh, to the to the uh, season. I'm kind of a little bit of biased here, but the Boston Red Sox, after starting out the season 0 and three. They went on to win their next nine games. They, b- believe it or not, they're actually the first team in Major League history to do uh, that specific thing—to go on to, to 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 start out the season getting swept, and then to win their next nine games.
3: And I was reading about the uh, Yankees, how uh, how shitty, uh they're doing.
0: I don't know. I don't know what it's, kind of bizarre world we're in right now, but the Yankees—they uh, <laughs> are sitting in dead last in the AL East right now.
3: Yeah, they said they haven't been doing this bad for about what—almost twenty years.
0: Yeah, and actually, they're almost in dead last in the uh, in the entire major leagues uh, in the entire major leagues. Period. The only two teams that may be worse than them are the Colorado Rockies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. I mean, it's very weird to see, you know, a, a team with a payroll as big as the Yankees have, and
2: yeah.
0: they're struggling. They're struggling to put up runs and to, you know, actually keep things uh keep things close, but and it's weird know, and it's of, weird uh, to
3: see a team like the Reds uh doing as good as they're doing
0: i know especially considering their uh you know their past uh their past seasons where you know it's it's just it's just really weird uh watching them go from from the seller to now all of a sudden seemingly being a legitimate uh a legitimate threat in the uh NL Central
3: and then and then one other thing I I have to bring up too this is only it it's not even it's not even May and we yeah. have the whole summer to go. So anything can happen. Even though they've only played not quite uh 15 games. It's like <laughs> they could go down to the cellar in uh you know in in uh, no time. And hopefully they hopefully they don't.
0: Yeah. You know, ob- obviously uh, things can 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 end up changing um, on the drop of a dime. Honest, in in all honesty, you know, there's there's a lot of variables that can happen. Uh, Milwaukee, you know, they're just trailing them by only a game right now. Uh, St. Louis by two right. games. So there's I know they say, you know, not to really pay attention to any regular season uh to to any early starts in the regular season, but usually you can get the kind of feeling what kind of season you're going to have of how the team starts out. And yeah, it's an encouraging it's an encouraging start uh or an encouraging sign that uh you know, the Reds are starting out like this when normally you're used to seeing them in the cellar of their division. I mean, their run differential is plus 27 right now, which taking a look at the rest of the league, only the LA Dodgers are better in terms of runs scored compared to runs allowed. And right below them actually are the Boston Red Sox uh, with a plus 26. So, yeah, it, yeah, it's you know, it's really weird taking a look at some of the early starts to the season at some of these early records. I mean you got the uh you got the Miami Marlins, you know, who had a good season last year and they're at five hundred right now. The Philadelphia Phillies, they're at five hundred. Uh the New York Mets, you know, they're at six and four which is kind of a shock considering that, and you know what, I was right. I told my uncle today that uh, Jacob deGrom is, uh, he had three straight innings of nothing but strikeouts today. Uh, I told him that, you know, the Mets were going to, you know, Jake deGrom was going to be this dominant and he still wouldn't get the win. And once again, we're seeing that exact same thing here.
3: And if you look at the NL Central Uh Except for a few teams you could almost uh like last season you could almost flip it upside down. Yeah, exactly. Except you know, for a few just, teams.
0: Yeah. You know uh, real quick, J B, this just came up on my uh on my screen here and I I, I can't believe that it's already about to take place, but next Saturday night, talk about a stacked main event card for UFC 251. Oh yeah. You got Anthony yeah, Smith three, and Jimmy uh,
3: There's three uh, title fights next week.
0: Yeah, not just that, but you got Anthony Smith and Jer- and, and Jimmy Croot to open up the main card. You got Uriah Hall and Chris Weidman following that. Then you have Valentina Shevchenko defending her women's flyweight title against Jessica Andraj. You got Zhang weile against Rose Nama Yunus for the strawweight title. And for the welterweight title, you got Kamaru, Kamaru Usman, who's been acting as a trainer uh, to the current heavyweight champion Francis Ngannou taking on Jorge Masvidal in a rematch.
3: And I'm liking uh, that uh, women's uh, strawweight. I'm liking that uh, Chinese girl, that Zhang Wiley. Yeah. I'm I'm uh you know I'm I'm kind of liking her I'm more or less pulling for her to uh you know keep her uh keep her belt and beat uh Rose Namajunas
0: Well, yeah she's currently undefeated in the UFC going a uh, going a perfect 5 and 0 so far uh defeating Joanna Jędrzejczyk in her last fight uh, she also has wins over Jessica Andrade and Tisha Torres as well, uh, as well as uh, Jessica Aguilar. So she has beaten some pretty uh, some pretty big names in uh, in the strawweight division. Yeah, I liked and
3: when she been- beat uh, Jessica Andrade for the uh, uh, strawweight championship.
0: No, she beat, and uh, that was. Oh, it was Andrade. I thought I thought she I thought she beat Jen Draychik for the title, but no, it was Andrade.
3: And I liked it too because they were fighting in uh China. Yeah. So that yeah, was UFC, that was been, fitting.
0: Yeah, they've held, they've held a lot more events uh ever since they ever since they've been able to fight in China. Uh they've held they've tried to hold more events there. Um I don't think have have they fought yet in Japan?
3: i don't uh except for some early fights like uh back in uh the nineties I'm not familiar with any fights uh in Japan,
1: huh.
0: Uh, I don't know. Oh, actually, you know, earlier today, I'm just seeing this now on Jim's uh Twitter timeline, Joey Votto turned a triple pe- uh triple play for the uh for the Cincinnati Reds. Yeah. It's not it's not that often that you see a triple play take place, so really it was the first, uh, fighting again. Who is? Arlovsky. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Jesus.
0: Against Chase Sherman with twelve first round finishes, I, I'm not like I'm not liking the uh, where this is going here. I think we're about to see uh on uh Arlovsky get finished yet again. And we also still got Robert Whitaker against uh Calvin Gastelum as well tonight. Yeah, that's the
3: fight that I wanna see.
0: That actually that actually could have some implications for the uh is it the middleweight division or wait, hang on. Yeah, for the middleweight division that could have some implications because uh Whitaker was actually, he's actually one of the, uh, I I forget where he's ranked right now, but he is one of the top rankings, I think.
3: And with uh, Arlovsky, his record really hasn't been uh, that good compared to uh, his uh earlier years.
0: Yeah, but I don't want to see him get punished again, like you know, with him getting older and he he just got he just lost by submission, uh, his last fight. Yeah. You know, I just uh, th- th- this just really seems like we're we're looking at we're looking at a potential first round knockout here with uh in regards to sherman and his the last fight out. was only his
3: last fight was only two months ago
0: yeah uh no not sherman sherman last fought in oh you're talking about Arlovski.
3: I'm I'm talking about Arlovsky.
0: Yeah, I was going to say Sherman hasn't fought since 2020. Sherman actually, actually, yeah, he hasn't fought in about a year. But uh, his last fight for Sherman, he knocked out uh, Isaac Villanueva by knock by technical knockout with an elbow and punches.
3: If you look at some of the guys that Sherman's fought, if you really want to get down to it, he hasn't fought anybody. But then again, no. he's only fight this is this is only his second UFC fight.
0: No, he has fought previously. He got released Okay, he got yeah, released he did. from the UFC. He got released from the UFC and he fought uh, in island fights, but I mean, it's it's just the fact that, you know, Arlovsky, with him getting older, he's 42 years old, you know, who knows how much of a chin he has left. And this guy has 12 first-round stoppages, you know. It's obviously Arlovsky. He isn't fighting in the same condition that he previously has fought at in his UFC career. And when you think about it, Arlovsky, you could kind of argue, hasn't really fought anybody either since uh, he lost to Jardino Rosenstreik back in 2019.
3: Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, I haven't heard of Philippe Linz or Tanner Bozer, You know, it's it, it just kinda sucks seeing a UFC legend like uh like Arlovsky uh have to go through all this punishment uh like this. I mean there was one there was one uh stretch from twenty eighteen to twenty nineteen where he lost four consecutive fights. One of them was overturned because uh, Walt Harris had tested positive uh, for a performance enhancer. So, that was changed to a no contest. But, I mean, he's lost, he had lost to Tai Tuivasa, Shamil, uh, I'm not even going to pron- pronounce that name, uh, Walt Harris, and Augusto Sakai before beating Ben Rothwell and then losing to Jarzino Rosenstreak.
3: Yeah, he can beat uh, Ben Rothwell.
0: <laughs> plus, I think
3: that yeah, was the second he
0: suffered, uh, he suffered devastating losses as well to Stipe Miocic, Alistair Overeem, Josh Barnett, Francis Ngannou, you know, it's Yeah, Alistair uh, Overeem. You take Yeah, you take you take all this punishment as you get older and it's it's almost like how much longer are you going to are you going to actually uh, go through this? Because you could argue ever since ever since he he came back to the UFC and had that four fight winning streak over uh, over Brendan Schaub, Antonio Bigfoot Silva, Travis Brown, and and Frank Mir, you know, ever since he for that upper echelon of UFC fighters in the heavyweight division. He's just gotten his ass kicked ever since.
3: Yeah.
0: I mean, hell, since since 2015, he's only won like five times. You know, it's, it's almost like at some point you're kind of expecting you're kind of expecting Dana White to you know eventually Let him go and, give him the same, and give him the same talk that he gave b j Penn, which was you know, don't make me have to release you,
3: and the thing with Arlowski though he's winning, and then he's and then he's losing, he's winning, and he's losing, he hasn't really. Uh, you know, lost uh, a lot in a row compared to those uh, fights, uh, you know, earlier. Not like BJ Penn where he was, I think he lost like, what, four fights in a row or something like that. He, he lost a couple and then he won and then he lost some more and then he won one and then he went on a four-fight losing streak.
0: Oh, it was more than four. Hang on. I'll bring it up here right now. I know for sure it was more than four because it was at one point that, uh, people were joking that he was basically the, you know, the drunk, uh, the drunk, uh, the local, the local drunk going into, uh, into every bar that he can run into and, which actually it's not really a joke. It actually is happening. Uh, and you know, trying to fight anybody that he can. And actually, looking at his record right now, he is on a seven-fight losing streak right now. Yeah, yeah. Losing to Nick Diaz, losing to Rory McDonald, getting knocked out by Frankie Edgar, getting knocked out by Yair Yair Rodriguez, losing to Dennis Seaver, getting submitted by Ryan Hall, and then losing
3: to Clay Guida. Losing to Clay Guida. (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, his last win was over a was over an over the hill Matt Hughes. So, you know, it's this isn't the same BJ Penn who was on top of his game and was the lightweight champion. Right. So, my cousin used to put it like this. There are two types of BJ Penn. There's BJ Penn who is on top of his game and is literally uh, a legitimate threat like he was in his early career. And then there's the type of BJ Penn who is overweight and literally does not give a shit, which was uh, during his two fights against George St. Pierre and Matt Hughes back at UFC 58 and UFC 63 which was all the way back in 2006. It's like it, yeah, it depends that was before on what me. kind of it's it's like it, it depends on what kind yeah. of BJ Penn you're going to get, you know, are you going to get the BJ Penn who actually cares about the uh, cares about the fight or are you going to get the type of BJ Penn who literally doesn't give a shit? you know that that will really determine what type of fight you're going to get so and
3: i've always wondered why they called him the prodigy <laughs>
0: Well, think about it. Early on in his career, beating Dean Thomas, Kao Uno, uh, Matt Sarah, he ended up he ended up losing, of course, to Jens Pulver yeah, uh, by by majority decision for the uh, lightweight title back in 2002. But then he beat he beat the likes of Takanori Gomi. He uh, he went to a split draw
3: Matt Hughes. against
0: Kao Uno. He beat Matt Hughes. He beat Dwayne uh, yeah. Dwayne Bang Ludwig, which even though Ludwig's uh, his record may not uh, may not speak of being a uh, successful fighter, you know, being twenty one and fourteen, but Ludwig, he's probably one of the best boxing coaches in mixed martial arts,
3: and so Rodrigo Gracie too.
0: Yeah. He uh he beat Rodrigo Gracie by uh by unanimous decision in K one. He lost to Leota Machida before Leota Machita actually became a star. Uh then he beat Henzo Gracie. Yeah. He returned to the UFC losing to George Saint Pierre and Matt Hughes in consecutive fights. Um which once again, like I say, is the not giving a shit B J Penn. Um where he wasn't even in shape. Then he comes back in shape uh, in a grudge match against Jens Pulver, which if anybody saw the Ultimate Fighter five, you will know why. Um, beat Jens Pulver by submission. Beat Joe Stevenson by submission after uh, after basically uh, draining all of the blood out of Joe Stevenson's body from that one cut. Um, oh, that was probably one of the that, – that probably still today is one of the bloodiest fights I've ever seen uh, in the UFC. Then um, he beat Sean Shirk by a TKO with a flying knee and and uh, punches. Then uh, he lost to GSP and the uh, potential title uh, – the, the chance to become a, a two-division champion.
1: Uh,
0: he beat Kenny Florian. He beat Diego Sanchez before losing back-to-back uh, bouts against Frankie Edgar and what were very competitive bouts, uh, that yep. he beat Matt Hughes. And it just seemed like it since wasn't the same. Since he then, wasn't the it's this
3: has gone downhill.
0: Yeah, he wasn't the same BJ Penn, basically, after those two Edgar fights. I mean, yeah, he knocked out Matt Hughes in 21 seconds, but, you know, Matt Hughes at that time didn't even have a chin left, so it wasn't really much of a, much of a victory basically. Really? And then, and then Matt Hughes ended up getting knocked out by Josh Kozczyk, his very next fight, which was, <laughs> which ended up being the last fight of his career. So, you know, uh, yeah, not, it's not really much, uh, that you can say when you knock out, uh, an over the hill, Matt Hughes in, at the end of his career for the most part.
3: Hey, beans, we have like a, a minute left. Uh, do you know if, uh, Jim is going to have a, uh, podcast this coming week?
0: Uh, he has not contacted me. I think if we are going to have one, uh, he will let me know probably tomorrow, I would assume. And probably the, uh, the advertisement will will go up uh, Monday or Tuesday potentially because I assume if there is one it'll be on uh, it'll be on Thursday.
3: Okay, because I can't I uh, I think both of us uh, tagged uh, Eddie and I uh, sent him a text. And I text and I sent him a uh, message, too, on Facebook. He sent me a a text the next day saying that uh, he had to, uh, that he was uh, sleeping early in. And he said, uh, you know, next time call me uh, like uh, 845 or something like that. And I said, okay, I'll call you and I'll let you know, you know, what what we're going to be talking about.
0: All right. Uh, Well, anyways, you know, uh, if there is going to be a podcast, uh, I'll probably know by tomorrow. And there will be the advertisements will probably go up Monday or Tuesday, depending on when Jim wants to do it. Um, But anyways, that's it for tonight. Uh, Thank you to Lou and JB for joining me. Uh, We will see you guys for Sports Whispers Weekly. We will see you guys uh, next week, next Saturday. Uh, Everybody else, have a good rest of your weekend, and we will see you guys later.
3: With Lucky Lance Plus, you can get lucky just about anywhere.